if there is a web three, that means there is was a web one and web two. Web one was a static internet, static web. It was quote unquote uh, read only. Then we moved to the web two when the social media started to become important and the user generated content. It's not read only, but also I can contribute. So it became read and write. Then we come to web three. The web three, we moved from read only to read and write. And now we get to read, write, own. Welcome to Mangtas Nation season two. This season is all about tech of the future. We'll be sharing real-world experiences and featuring astounding guests to help guide you in your tech journey. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Hello, everyone. This is Jackie Demink, together with Walter Delbare, and welcome to the Mangtas Nation podcast. Today's guest is both a marketing expert and a visionary leader in the Web3 space. As a president of the European Web3 organization, he is at the forefront of driving the adoption and growth of this cutting-edge technology. He is also the founder and CEO of The Armin Bar, a boutique digital agency specializing in brand launches and relaunches, as well as being the co-founder and CEO of Glamblocks a one-stop shop for all things Web3. Listeners, let us welcome Armin Zadakbar. Hey, Armin, thank you for taking the time to join us today. Thank you for having me. Nice. And um, before we dive into the conversation, Armin, I'm sure our listeners would love to hear a little bit about yourself and your background. Well, I'm originally Persian. I've been living all over the place, having my also family moving a little bit around the place. Um, now I have like my family mostly in Canada and the United States. I lived in different places in the Middle East, Europe, and North America. Primarily, uh, been between New York City and Italy, uh, places that I felt like home by May. Out of all the places that I, you know, like you have that feeling you go to a place for the first time, it's just like, I belong to this place. And some places you go, it's just like, I'm not going to go back. I had that feeling about uh, New York City, not the rest of the United States. Like, uh, there are cool places to visit, but I never felt like, oh my God, this is my place. I remember since the first second I uh, walked in the streets in downtown Manhattan, I was like, this is my place. Same feeling about Italy in general. Uh, I lived in Bologna, I lived in Rome, I lived in uh, Milan, now I'm living in Milan as well. Um, and anywhere in this country, I felt like um, this is home, this is home. I actually end up writing a book, it's still not been published hopefully this year after many years. It's gonna be published, it's called Work Like a New Yorker, Live Like a Roman. Because uh, I've never seen anybody work as hard as the New Yorkers, and I've never seen anybody who truly enjoys life as the Romans. So if there is going to be any work-life balance, which I don't believe in the balance, because uh, balance is 50-50, I think life is more of a harmony than balance. And But if there is going to be the, any balance, the ultimate balance is to work as the best in the world and enjoy life as the best in the world. So... 
when it goes uh, live, I'll definitely let you guys know and send you a copy. <laughs> yes, please, because that's really interesting, Armin. Like uh, looking at your your work and and your profile. I was actually thinking before before we got together to ask you if you had any plans of writing a book, because your your life just seems so so varied and it seems as if you have so many stories to tell and uh, you've lived in like eight different cities and three different continents altogether right? yeah that's true that's true i've been lucky i've been lucky the life uh, somehow pushed me sometimes partial also my uh decision and sometimes scary decisions but uh, at the end of the day, I'm very happy. I'm almost 38 years old, but I feel like I lived like a 58, 68-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> That's a and very specific number. I, I wanted to ask, before we go deeper into the technology and your, and your background from work perspective, um, downtown Manhattan, you walked there and you immediately knew. What was it? What made you? What made it feel like home so quickly? The energy. This, this is not some metaphysical experience. I don't know how to experience it. Because also, if you walk downtown Manhattan, you know that it doesn't smell well. And if you're not from there and you don't understand how the New Yorkers work, you're gonna even find them rude. So it's nothing about the. And also, I was living before that in Italy. So like the beauty of the place and then you go there so it's nothing about the like uh, the, how can i say uh something you can feel with your uh, senses it was uh, yeah it, it is the energy how these things work and then um the more you spend i mean for myself the more i spend time over there the more i feel like oh my god this is a magnet it's just like it pushes me, it pushes me to be better. And it somehow, it's the, there's always someone who's doing better than you over there. And there's always someone to look up to over there. It's the drive over there. For some people, it can become uh, not sustainable. But for me, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of like a, uh, sweet drug, <laughs> that rush that I get of the energy uh, of the people around me. The same thing also for Italy, it's the, uh, sorry, just to finish what I was saying, like the uh, same thing for uh, Italy, it's not necessarily, of course, it's by far the most beautiful place uh, in the world, at least for me. But the uh, the also the uh, it's all also about the people and how uh, they uh, treat you and how they uh, treat each other and how they look at uh, life from different lenses that they look at and how this whole thing together created the uh, dolce vita uh, as we call it over here the sweet life that they created. Indeed, enjoying the sweet life from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I just had to insert that in. <laughs> Was that your Italian accent? Okay. <laughs> Monday. My, my Italian godmother accent. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
Now, going back to the more serious stuff, Armin, what got you interested or, or started on, on Web3 and the blockchain technology? Well, actually, I got uh, into the Web3 world, which at the time was not being called uh, Web3. The term crypto and blockchain were more uh, used uh, like around 2017. The first time I heard about Bitcoin was 2014. I remember my cousin uh, in LA was just like, oh, I mean, this thing, like, you need to buy it. It's like $400. And it's $400. But it's that I don't even understand. And. In 2017, more and more it became mainstream and I could hear a lot of people talking about it. And as the agency, we got one client in December 2017, the first client to do blockchain work with them. It was at the time it was common, a lot of companies and a lot of, better to say, a lot of projects, they would do ICOs, initial coin offering for those that they may not know, similar to the IPO, but like they launched their coins. And for the launch of their ICO, they hired us. And to start doing that in January 2018, <laughs> 2017 in December, the whole crypto market crashed. And now uh, here I am with a contract signed and received a payment uh, already. And we need to launch a, uh, an ICO in tw- January 2018, which actually ended up to be one of the uh, biggest ICOs, I think, in the history. <laughs> It's a long story. Uh, we had over 120,000 people uh, came to the 100, over 100 and around 112,000 people within two weeks to our website and uh, registered uh, for the airdrop. And then from there, uh, with the airdrop, and then we passed it towards the, uh, the, uh, the launch and the ICO stage. Unfortunately, the project is not uh active anymore they didn't reach to it was like launched at the beginning of the bear market so they didn't survive the long bear market but it was the moment that i could see like oh we can actually do stuff in it and i started learning more and more about the application so in 2018 i actually ended up having my first uh startup in the web3 world uh, that we use the blockchain technology for proof of authenticity, proof of ownership, and secure transfer of ownership. We were using the terminology such as like non-fungible tokens. It was not still sexy to call it NFT. Uh, and we would we also talked to many big uh, corporations uh, here in Italy specifically to use that protocol for anti-counterfeiting for uh, uh, luxury items. Uh, companies from Lamborghini for their spare parts because my first job in Italy I was doing marketing for them so I had some connections over there Um, to Luxotica for the Ray-Bans but they couldn't understand the value at the time 2019 I had to close the company 2020 2021 boom Everybody's now talking about it. It's a bull run. And everybody's uh, like, some people, they started like, oh, well, well, do you still have that? We might be interested. Like, God. And so it was, a, it was the, at that time, I always say it's, it was good for my ego, not good for my bank account. Good for my ego in a sense that just like, oh, I could see something before many were able to see it. And uh, we even act on it. It was not just an idea. 
like not good for my bank account because we spent a lot of money and then uh, we were not able to uh, make it a profitable business. And then 2021, we put together a team, uh, which is Glamlocks, uh, with three of my friends. Shout out to Mattia, Jack, and Lorenzo. Mattia comes from the uh, metaverse, uh, well, uh, virtual reality background. Um, and a lot of the places you've seen, beautiful places you've seen, Italy from inside the Vatican Colosseum. Uh, Roman forums, uh, as you see them on Google Street View, these are all the works of Mattia, the whole island of Malta, any UNESCO sites that they have. Eventually, he moved to the metaverse world. Jack had a, a, was a co-founder of a startup called uh, But Society. They were part of 500 startups in San Francisco, and they had a good exit as well. And then he became full-time, went into the uh, crypto in 2019 and 2020. He was like, he had a good run. <laughs> and Lorenzo is, uh, which we really thought he can add value to the group and uh, we can add value to their team. He's the uh, CBO of uh, a company called Branded that they're very clear, uh, they're one of the leaders in, uh, in Europe for uh, intellectual property. And then they moved also towards the uh, eSports and eventually to uh, Web3. So together we managed to become like with the technical background of Mattia and Jack, with the marketing background of myself and the legal background of Lorenzo. We created a boutique consultancy that we can, that's why it, uh, we can be uh, like claimed to be a one-stop shop. So you come here, you want to launch a project, like we take care of everything. And more and more we saw, uh, talking to people, we saw that we're spending a lot of time with a lot of corporations that they just want to do an NFT collection. They just want to have a, a presence in the metaverse. They don't even know what does that mean. They don't even know what they want, but they just want to do it because everybody's doing it. And we spend a lot of time, uh, yeah, and uh, it's like it was the new trend the last few years. Now everybody wants to do something with the AI. Um, ChatGPT is the new uh, sexy term. Um, so we started like, with the education part, we developed the course, we developed the workshop as well, uh, which we call it the value creation in Web3, uh, with certain canvases that we uh, shout out to also Filippo uh, Scorsa, that we, uh, he's one of the um, experts in design thinking processes uh, in Europe. With him, we designed these processes and these canvases for uh, this workshop and even uh, registered under the Creative Commons, uh, what we call it the uh, Web3 Business Model Canvas. It will be available by the end of this month also for free on the European Web3 organization for anybody who wants to use this uh, canvas as well. So we started building this course and workshop that for the uh, corporations, we try to first, okay, let's figure out what is the, what are we talking about? And together let's uh, make our hands dirty to see what we are able to do or not. And the more we started to go into this uh, uh, like uh, vertical and the more we meet with different people, different uh, organization, 
we saw a, a, very, a few huge problems. The number one was that a lot of these amazing uh, companies, professionals, they're building incredible solutions, incredible applications, but they're all in various silos. They don't even talk to each other. Not only I'm not talking someone in Milan, someone in uh, Stockholm, even someone in Milan, someone in Rome, or someone in Milan and another one in Milan. It's just crazy how they're like going into these silos. The second one, we saw that a lot of corporations that they can um, uh, gain a lot of value from uh, the Web3 um, world, they're mostly they have middle man like uh, middle-aged managers around like 40 50 years old these are the people who are not stupid these are smart people but then when they try but they don't know anything about this world of web3 and then when they start talking to people in this world normally they end up talking to quote-unquote nerds and they get confused and lost with a few keywords so they don't want to look stupid so they just reject it and say oh i don't see value in it so we started like simplifying coming uh, from the educational background because i also teach in different universities uh, across europe and i've been doing like corporate training for and doing workshops hackathons for corporations international corporations for like uh, almost 10 years now so we started seeing that, okay, there is a need over here to connect these two worlds, which we call it like a bridge. It's like, okay, I'm a bridge and I wanna like help other bridges to just be together as well. The third problem was that, especially after a few big scams and criminal activities, the FTX being the famous one, a lot of governments and uh, of course, uh, with the lobbying of the banks, they started to put like heavy regulations or trying to do heavy regulations on and centralize something that by default is going, it needs to be decentralized. And the whole premise of the Web3 is to power to the people. But it was, they were trying to again, make it power to a few people instead of power to the people. So these three things, we were just like, okay, uh, we need to go to a war. <laughs> we need to do it, let's uh, pick our battle. We need to uh, make sure we uh, pick a battle that uh, we can win potentially, and we can also uh, make a relative impact. There were three layer the, uh, levels, let's say. Uh, are we going to go on the national level, for example, go on the Italian level? Uh, are we going to go on the uh, international level in, in a sense of like going on the European level? Or are we going to go on a global level? Global level was too big. It is still too big for us to even make an impact. National level, it's just it's too small but luckily being on a european level and with the relationships i've been also working with the european commission for almost eight years now we're just and with all the connections we're just like if we want to make an impact let's try to do it in the european level so we incorporated it uh, with uh, thanks to the support of some accountants and notaries and uh, lawyers and uh, we filed all the documents to the court in brussels 
And we're just, if we want to do anything on the European level, we need to be in Brussels. So we incorporate the European Web3 organization over there to answer those three issues. One, we're uh, bringing education before regulation. Okay, uh, EU policymakers, you want to regulate something, beautiful and no problem there. But first, let's educate the public on it so they see if they uh, want that uh, regulation or not. Or if a policymaker is uh, trying to put a policy, at least the citizens, if they have enough knowledge, they can say that uh, they can see the motive by putting that policy. So we started also doing tours uh, for now. We've been putting our own time and money in it, going around Europe, doing free courses to the public. We did it in Rome. We did it in uh, Milan. We went to the Web Summit also in uh, Lisbon. We did a course in Barcelona. Next uh, month, we will be in Vienna. Uh, this co-working space that I am here, it's called Talent Garden. They have 26 campuses across Europe. They liked the idea, they provided us with uh, the location to go like their uh, campus and creating the awareness around the event. So to uh, do these courses for free. We also, you mentioned the book. There is also the second book. Um, in, I haven't uh, had any books and now I'm like within a month, I'm gonna publish two books. There's another book called Web3 Made Easy that also gonna be a uh, free ebook available on the European Web3 organization. Um, uh, that we're trying to have this course and the book and the canvas to just put the, as much knowledge as possible out there for the public. The canvas and the book is going to also help create that bridge that I was talking about. And at the, uh, uh, we're building a European community now. I'm also going uh, across different events uh, in Europe. From uh, next one, for example, in May, I'll be speaking at NFT Tallinn. Uh, in June, I'm going to speak uh, at uh, World Youth Day of the Vatican, which is crazy if you think about it. I had like the one of the most, if not the most uh, centralized organization in the world, Vatican. They liked the idea and they invited me to speak at the World Youth event uh, this year. And like, it's still like unbelievable for me. So like, I'm not even Christian uh, to just be in the Vatican meeting with uh, them and they're being open about it. And even with Glam Blocks, we're uh, helping them uh, to or bring that uh, event to the metaverse. It's crazy that these things are happening within a very, very short period of time. If you Fantastic. leave me, I'm going for like hours. So you need no, to no, no. Me. We were fascinated, fascinated. So a couple of things I noted down. I wanted to just follow up on. So education before regulation, right? Love, love the love the theme, love the slogan. Um, and then you mentioned we pick a winnable battle, and you decided it's Europe. Now, what does victory look like? Victory would be the uh, moment that if there, like we're talking about the Web3 world, but I hope it's going to be on also other uh, sectors that anybody that is trying to put any uh, policy on this, uh, like on this sector, they 
first of all, in an active way, they, uh, they, um, the professionals, a pool of professionals in that area consult or even oppose or be in favor of what is happening. Or in a proactive way, even the community uh, of this pool of professionals propose the regulations to the uh, policymakers. That's on the policy uh, level. And the other one on the uh, community level, which is more of a B2B community, having a place that the uh, professionals in the Web3 uh, space, they can work together without uh, uh, like having any gatekeeper. And uh, what we are also trying to uh, do is to, like I'm, I'm happy I'm on, your, on your podcast, we're also trying to have the, from March we're launching the podcast of European Web3 organization. But we also try to decentralize that in the, in the concept, which is instead of like myself only have like I'm gonna have the, being the host for a few episodes, but every 10, 20 episodes we're changing the host someone different from the community. So we wanna be like this is going to be something that doesn't belong to anybody. It but the it's the whole concept of like. Uh, I don't want to use the term DAO, but like the same uh, concept that we're trying to do. And usually those who you mentioned that you have courses in different locations uh, across Europe and even the the world, Armin, who are your target um, attendees for your courses or who are the what what type of profiles usually are are drawn to attending your courses depends on the course for example if we're talking about the uh, web3 made easy free course that we do with the european web3 organization we have it open to public whoever is interested and especially if they don't have uh, ideally if they don't have any background so they at least say okay what is web3 what is uh, nft what is a uh, crypto wallet and all those things so they would finally understand the concepts but the workshops for example that we do we either do for uh, corporations or for universities last one was uh, 10 days ago for the Bologna Business School uh, for the international executive MBA uh, participants we did the full day of a workshop we helped them with the course and the workshop to better understand and uh, like the concepts and try to see how they can uh, create a value for their organization n- knowing what they know after the course and the tools which is the workshop uh, the canvases uh, what they can do for their organization fantastic and it feels like our listener base will be very interested in in your content right so we'll definitely include that in the in the show notes but just as a little freebie why don't we make Web3 easy in a couple of minutes, Armin? How would you summarize it? Sure. Um, if there is a Web3, that means there is, was a Web1 and Web2. So web, let, if we understand like with a few characteristics of Web1 and how they change to Web2 and Web3, I think it would be very easy to understand it. Web1 
which more or less from 1989 to 2005, more or less before the social media uh, era, let's say. The moment that the, I'm saying 1989, because that's more or less around the time that the internet became commercially available to the public. And around that time, the internet, the, that Web 1, which at the, now we call it Web 1, that at the time was Web, uh, was a static web, uh, internet, static web. Uh, and it was quote unquote uh, read only. You could just consume the content that the website would put out uh, put out there. You, uh, and if you think about it, the uh, that Web One actually also was decentralized. Sometimes it becomes uh, like uh, there's people there's like oh Web One was decentralized. Yes, but it was different kind of a decentralized than the Web Three. Web One was decentralized in a sense that the data was stored in centralized uh, silos, but it was spread in a decentralized way. Those centralized silos were the different websites. There was a Yahoo. There was like an MSN, AOL, all uh, like as we. Each of these websites, they had their own, their own data, and the data was decentralized, but the data was owned by each separate website. Then we moved to the Web two, Web two, more or less around the time two thousand five, especially when the social media took. Uh, started to become important and the user-generated content, it was like, okay, it's not read-only, but also I can contribute. So it became read and write. And that's when we have Facebook, we have uh, YouTube uh, and Google and Facebook as organization, but Meta right now in Alphabet, like they became the giants that they control everything. And that's why it became centralized. Now there are a few middlemen that they own everything and they own uh, all the data. And if you think about it also in terms of like your digital identity in Web 1, you, the digital identity, who owned your digital identity in Web 1? Each separate website. You had a username password for website A, you could have a different username and password for website B. Could be like a strawberry123. That website knew you as a strawberry123 and the other one you say potato banana. The other website knows you as a potato banana. Those are your identities for that website, whatever password you put for it. So, but then in Web 2, we started like, which we still have in it right now, is that uh, instead of you cre- uh, give and create different identities for different websites, you create your identity with one or a few over there, but like Facebook or Google. And that's when you want to log into a website instead of putting your username and password, they say log in with Facebook, log in with Gmail. So you, they own and control it, a few middlemen and they, uh, you, a login, uh, they carry your digital identity. They say, like, oh, uh, to the website, I know who is this person. I'll tell you who is this person. You don't need to create it. Then if we come to Web3, the Web3, we moved from read only to, to read and write. And now we get to read, write, own. The difference here, especially as you saw the last few years, put your political uh, views aside, 
if they man if they were able to uh, at place like Twitter or uh, Facebook if they were able to censor and ban president of the United States that means that if the, uh, who was saying it Naval was saying it uh, on Twitter it was like if you can silence the king you're the king and so and then it became it was a snowball effect and it was like okay I create these contents on YouTube and but then if I don't respect the terms and conditions which can be also subjective sometimes not very uh, well defined gray zone then I lose everything so I can read I can write but I don't own anything the web3 part is now giving the ownership to the creators and giving the ownership to the people and in the uh, case of the identity the web one we were saying like the username password is owned by each website the web two we said like there are a few middlemen they own the uh, credentials and they give it to different website in the web uh, three you as the user you will own uh, your uh, the owner of your uh, identity and you can connect and disconnect similar to the if you think about it the majority of the uh, real world is more of the web3 the majority of the world is non-fungible and also uh, who decides who's jackie or water uh, is your id your id is physical thing you carry with you right and in the web3 instead of your id being uh, owned by a middleman you're the one that carrying it with you in the web3 it's now like my digital id is going to be owned by me and controlled by me if that makes sense that's probably one of sorry I was on mute that's probably one of the best summaries i've heard and easiest to interpret by layman. Uh, good job, Armin. <laughs> Cheers. This is what we do. We're just doing all these courses. We try to simplify complicated concepts and make it easier for people to understand uh, what this technology can do and uh, the, the solutions that uh, can be offered out there. And especially um, similar to the AI situation that we hear right now, there is a dark side to it as well, which is like any other tool, it depends on who uses it and for what. And we need to be very careful. And uh, of course, uh, big corporations, big governments, mm, they don't like to lose any power and uh, any control. So their fight is, and they uh, fight to have it, m m like keep the uh, control and even have more control. But this time with these new technologies, it can be, we're gonna, if we're not able to defend the individual liberty, uh, we would end up in the worst place that we are right now. I don't wanna be alarmist, but I'm saying like we need to be cautious and that's why we need to act fast. Wow. And uh, well, it's great that you you say that, Armin, because I wanted to ask uh, as well earlier with 
all the projects that you're involved in and or the all the organizations that you're you're also involved with um is what actually what drives you to do everything that you do I actually had a similar conversation this morning when I was having breakfast with my girlfriend in it's the I think after a certain point I'm not old I'm not rich but I think I managed to have enough experience to understand a little bit of like the life and I managed to have enough of income to just not to be worried for my basics. I think any human beings after these two box being checked, then you start like then the money is not what drives you. Then the, the that something else needs to mm, gives you satisfaction for me is the hopefully positive uh, impact that I can have on the life of other people that's why a lot of the times like I complain a lot being going to some universities and getting a very little money which Uh, like literally the, a lot of the times going to different universities by every hour I spend there I lose money the time I'm spending there the money I'm getting there versus the time and money that I can have the building uh, like what I'm building but like the fact that I can see and the, um, I'm, uh, I'm able to make impacts on those people especially some of them like they're still like from 10 years ago they're still in contact with me and uh, write me and they're just like being able to apply certain things that uh, I know that I can share and also being able to uh, even think differently than what they were thinking before these are the stuff that gives me the satisfaction and at the same time it's who was saying it very well put, I think it was Alex or Mosey, he was saying like, I love teaching because teaching for me is actually learning. Because it's the, I need to master something in order to be able to teach it. And so the same thing. And uh, like there is also a joy for me to just being able to simplify certain things because it just, it also uh, feeds my ego. Like, I know that thing very well, so. And um, that's, a, that's a great way of, of looking at it and, you know, consider it as your, as giving back to, to the world and your contribution and how you make an impact. But, uh, well, it's a pity that we're a bit pressed for time though but Armin for businesses or organizations interested in connecting with you or or contacting you where can they best uh, find you or reach you best place is obviously LinkedIn and uh, I think if anybody uh, these days if anybody wants to find you there is always a way to find you <laughs> And also, like, I don't have, I have, I don't, like, I don't think there, uh, not even one other person named Armin Zadakbar in the world. So if you Google my name, uh, you're, you're going to see everything. <laughs> <laughs>
You're absolutely right. Well, um, thank you once again, Armin, for taking the time to be with us today out of your busy schedule. And uh, I'm sure your insights have been have given incredible value to our listeners uh, as well as to us, of course. And uh, we think that all the work that you do in the Web3 space is just amazing. So thank you. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you for having me. Well, um, that's a wrap for today's episode of Mangtas Nation. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the conversation and learned something new today. And we promise to be back next time with another great episode. Once again, this is Jackie DeMunk. And Walter Delbar. Stay tuned for the next episode of Mangtas Nation. Thank you for tuning in to Mangtas Nation. Mangtas your curated marketplace for B2B outsourcing solutions. Follow our social media pages to know more about us. Sign up as a client or sign up as a vendor and be part of this global B2B marketplace. Join us at www.mangtas.com.